0: Michelle Constant on SAFM.
1: Ten past nine you are with SAFM 104 to 107. Don't forget uh, at 10 o'clock you've got the lovely KG with Seasons. She'll take you through with great music until one o'clock today. So don't forget to tune in for that one. Our guests today are uh, two guests and they are part of something known as the preempt group. Okay, what is the preempt group? Well, we're going to find out all about it. Mbalit Lamini is a multidisciplinary artist and visu- visual researcher, and Pumulani Ntuli is an artist, a founder, and artistic director of the preempt group. Now, the preempt group have just been awarded something called the 2021 2022 Visionary Award, and that is part of something that is taking place at the Javit Art Centre. Now, before we go any further, I must declare my interest. I am a board member. Of the javid arts center and um, that should be noted as we go into the conversation nevertheless i thought that this would be a phenomenal conversation around how we look at landscape geography ecosystems And much, much more when it comes to the visual. Earlier, Inam Mloppe was talking about how literature and even fiction starts to tell a story of the world we live in and the world we have lived. And I think in many ways, this is also an experience that will talk to that same space and same place. So, Pumlani and Mbali, I want to say thank you so much to both of you for joining us here in studio. Welcome to the guest presenter slide.
0: Uh, Good morning, Michelle. Uh, Thank you for the invitation.
1: So I'm going to start at the end, if I may, rather than the beginning. (laughs) 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 I always think that uh, there may be an opportunity. And the end is... um, Well, actually, before we go to the end, let me just ask you, Mbali... um, No, Pumulani, Alifa Kuturiya was your song. You chose it, and why?
0: Um... I think it's one of those songs that has been consistent in my kind of uh, maybe artistic trajectory. Um, I was introduced by a friend who was like a writer, so he Mm. quite liked, you know, the the kind of spirituality of the music, so I was kind of drawn to it um, a bit more. If
1: you talk about the spirituality of the music in relation to your art practice, how do the two weave together to create a work?
0: Um i mean in in a sense uh it's also more like uh, based on our research questions because we're interested in more in uh, indigenous um, i often found using that word um in indi- in indigenous knowledge systems um mm. so to kind of like uh bring about like visibility uh in more like different ways of like looking at uh visual video um research so um yeah it's it's somehow like interweaved in relations to majority of the thinking process but yeah I it's I nested I within like indi- in indigenous uh cultures and indi- indigenous knowledge systems to kind of like look at um somehow decolonizing you know yeah uh, pre- no,
1: i'm so interested in what you say about okay you you you, you, you frown yourself sometimes when you think <laughs> of the word indigenous and yes. indigenous on its own should be fine, but the problem is that it has a kind of political framework, and I'm interested to know what you find the challenge of the word indigenous.
0: Um I mean, of course, it's somehow nested within more academic uh, spaces, one. Um Two, it seemed quite, like, put on the side. It's, it's like the othering. Mm. It's more like... Mm-hmm. Uh, but like outsider other. art, yeah. in a way. Outside of art, um so it's it's more yeah I, d- I don't know i have to really think about it more yeah. but I, I don't think i can i can actually answer it fully but the only position that i can also like reflect from is within um spaces of academy so mm. uh where those processes are not necessarily like uh you know they they're not really taken as a precedent like it's not necessarily um yeah, so I don't know. I'm just it's interesting specifics. because we've we've
1: <laughs> we've been talking the whole day about um, on the show. We've been talking about academia. We have talked about what it means to maybe go and do your PhD. We've talked about not doing your PhD, going into the field, mm-hmm. and what strikes me from that word and uh, your 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 take on that word, the word indigenous, is that there is um, an approach to words that sits in academia that means something completely different often to the word as it sits on the ground or in the real or in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And perhaps we don't always tease those ideas apart enough. So I I find that an interesting take for sure. You guys are part of the preempt group. Now, it's just, it's the visionary award-winning collective. So now there's two things. One, the preempt group, what is that in Bali? It's, uh, It's a
2: community. It's facilitated by it's facilitated by the two of us, but it's about collective engagement. We log we work a lot with collaborations, so most of our projects are always um, we always invite other collaborators, be it video editors or musicians, to think with us. So it's about collective engagement. We're very much interested in using new media, hypermedia, and trying to bring technology new technologies to the ground, making them more accessible using them through the lens of looking at art at mediating art but also to dismantle information So yes preempt is it's a lot of things and to round it off for me I would say it's a space to to think further than what my own practice allows me to yeah so working with Pumlani is great because he, has his own his own practice but he also thinks quite differently from how I think.
1: So as a, the preempt group, what is the visionary award? you guys are working on it it's going to go up at the Javit um, Center next week the exhibition um, what does the award talk to explain, demonstrate?
2: It's a space to think for us the visionary award is it's a platform to work with an institution, that already has an archive that we are interested in looking at. Mm. So it's access to the space, access to the material, access to the archive. Because if we didn't have the visionary, accessing the UP archive would be very different. So it's a platform for us to be able to create these conversations within the institutions that we sometimes have in virtual spaces.
1: So what is the archive that you have access to?
0: The the archive that we have access to is um, the Mapumbuku archive. Yeah. Uh, So they have a series of images uh, at the moment, uh, artifacts as well, artifacts in inverted commas (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and various other, you know, uh, material. But like at the moment, it's just both uh, um, images and artifacts. So it has uh, spindle walls that were used to kind of weave, Mm. um, needles, uh, tools made with metal, the gold, um, different images, of course, like that looks at the historical uh, site itself, you know, the excavations that happened. um, Yeah, and some of the research that actually took place within the context of Mapumbu.
1: So if we look at Mapumbu and uh I mean, there's the Muppet and Goodwill Gold uh, exhibition, which is also there, I mean, in itself, quite extraordinary. But I, I read something really, really interesting that you guys spoke about, and I think it talks to the work that you're doing, which is a series of 360-degree black-and-white visual shots where you move literally through the screen almost like virtual reality. Very disturbing, I have to say, mm. like, because they're so bleak. But then, as we were talking about off-air, those... They are bleak, and then we have to ask, well, why does it impact me like this, and what is the story that I'm that I'm engaging with, etc. But what you spoke about was the idea that the landscape doesn't shift; the artifacts can shift. We can take it from one museum or one art gallery or whatever, but the landscape stays there. Mapungubwe, the hill, that great mountain, it stays there. And as we were saying, it stays there with this incredible sense of. Um, it like vibrates differently because of what is ancestral, heritage, ancient. How does that impact the work that you do and what do you mean by the fact that the landscape doesn't shift and how does that impact your work?
2: For us, the um, introduction to Mapubunga has always been looked at through the gold rhino. And when you look at the size of the gold rhino, it's so tiny tiny (laughs) in relation to this culturally rich historical site
1: that... It's like the Mona Lisa. If you look at the Mona Lisa exactly. <laughs> it's like the size of my hand or something. It's like so mm. small and so insignificant when you look at it in the flesh but the, the size of it it's exactly the same thing. It's amazing.
2: Yeah and the landscape is so humongous and yeah. so rich. The heel itself is quite amazing. Yeah, And when you look at all the technology that the civilization devised, house. yes. Yeah out of nothing, how they were making their own tools, how they were building huts on this hill that can never move. Yeah. But all we get to hear about is the is the gold rhino. So for us we wanted to move away from that lens and yeah. read the landscape. Also because most of the research on Mapubungwe has been academic and it's yeah. all written from people's um research and opinions, but we wanted to ask ourselves what evidence does the landscape keep and mm. how can we use that to re-narrate the story of Mapubungwe.
1: And you do re-narrate the story. I mean, the um, videos that you've created, you call it, um, part of the biggest story, you call it buffer zones. Now the term buffer zones, of course, has such um, uh, profound meaning. I mean, I think of buffer zones and I think of war that there is one country and then there's a buffer zone where people who are uh, you know, trying to escape or something get to before they get to the second country. What does buffer zone mean for you and why have you chosen to use that as well? Buffer zone
2: allows us to play and bring in so many complexities that are part of the, the site. For instance, it's part of the UNESCO site and it's guarded by sandparks, and entry into the space is not easy. You cannot navigate the landscape if you are not in a car, and you cannot access certain areas if you're not in a 4x4 car. So it means that this historical site that speaks to the history of Southern African people can only be assessed by so many people who have resources. It's not open to the public. You have to pay entrance So these are the things that we try and bring in through the titling and Mm. not necessarily word them out through the film itself.
1: Let's talk about the film, but maybe what we'll do is, before we talk about the film, we'll go into Mbali Your Choice Song, which is uh, one of my favorite artists, Mbongaziwe Um, What I mean, he just astounds me, from the Eastern Cape and just exploding, and has exploded. Why did you choose Mbongaziwe?
2: I've always been a fan of him. I absolutely adore his music. And he's also such a gentle soul. Yeah. But he's got a way with words. Yeah. And his music for me is very spiritual. It transcends me to a moment in time. Yeah. So since it's Sunday, I was like, why
1: not? <laughs> Sunday, perfect for a, a great song which has great spirituality. Bonga Ziwe the choice of Mbali Dlamini.
0: at SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM.
1: Taking us down into the Eastern Cape, Bungaziwe uh, Mabandla. And that's the choice of one of our guests, Bali Lamini. Our second guest is Pumulani Ntuli. And they are part of a project called the Preempt Group, which is going to be launching as an exhibition next week at the Javit Art Centre. You can find it on the bridge. They'll be launching at about one o'clock in the afternoon. And they are part of the 2021-2022 Visionary Award, which is, in fact, linked to... To um, the Tim Hetherington, there are a seat of the Tim Hetherington engagement as well. Now, um, I'm hoping that one of you can explain Tim Hetherington and the relation to the Visionary Award uh, to us. Uh, is there either of you?
0: Um,
1: You're welcome to point to each <laughs> other. If, if you feel like, okay, <laughs> this is yours, but you don't want to say it on air, you can just yes. do a big point. I mean, I
0: can't really speak much or largely about uh, Tim Hetherington himself, but. Um, I've somehow watched one interview yeah uh when was sti- speaking about his work uh, as a documentary photographer when it what it meant yeah and obviously okay. his work was more situated within like conflict based um situations so yeah. he somehow it is a way like as a photographer to kind of bring visibility visi- uh, visibility and also to open up a, a dialogue where um somehow you know conflict happens in certain areas and then to help make a dialogue happen within those spaces so a photographic medium has his own um choice of medium and yeah. amongst video as well uh to position all of that so um within the team Team foundation obviously they made available the Visionary award in collaboration mm-hmm. with javid up uh we are the first recipients the pioneers of the award which is quite exciting it's also yeah. like uh, big shoes to fill as well. So, but this is quite exciting.
1: So, just uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, he was um, a British photojournalist and renowned for various different films, books, and photographs. But died um, w- was was killed in Misrata in Libya. And what I really like about that is is as you mentioned uh, uh, quite correctly, you talk about the conflict zone, but in fact. Um, you guys have chosen to look at the term conflict so differently with your work um and the the conflict is is by what's missing almost in the photographs as opposed to what's there if that makes any sense at all i mean i may be wrong but it does seem to me that that would be what you're doing is that is that am i close there
2: i think that's a very beautiful reading of it um yeah.
1: she's she's very 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 um careful here like doesn't Goes, Michelle, you're talking complete rubbish. <laughs> 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 Not joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but the reason I say that is if we look at your um three sixty degrees photographs, and we were talking about this off-air, is they are about landscapes, but we can go back to that Dutch painter Bruegel, and two-thirds of the painting is the sky, and one tiny little third is just the land. And it seems like that. The sky is completely overpowering Mm. this tiny landscape and I imagine in those days it probably was because it was like this flat little land snowing and just impossible to live in and so the sky was overpowering talk to us about how you looked at the landscape and the sky with regards to the um, images that you took
2: I think with special fabrication we wanted to play around with the landscape as a site because in most cases we are interacting with the landscape as a site-specific yeah so we wanted to play with it as a site and remove it from the everyday environment so bringing it into the virtual almost as if flattening the landscape and merging it uh, with the sky to create almost like one environment but in that is the idea is to also create tension is to also make the viewer uncomfortable of what they're engaging with. Yeah. And not uncomfortable in a way to make you not want to engage with it, but to make you want to interact with the landscape more because you want something yeah. more from it.
1: Yeah. It does feel like it's the very the very lack of something there. Is what you require to sort of engage with. Maybe you could, Pumulani, uh, just describe for our listeners some of those images and also what you were telling me about how you shot them.
0: Mm. Um, uh, just to add, maybe previously from the point of the medium itself, like photography and also looking at uh, the landscape, when you look at panoramic images, somehow they are quite immersed. So, with what like. What does that mean they're quite immersed? They're immersed in a sense that it. Doesn't really it's uh, it's broken apart. It doesn't really break apart the, the 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 site itself, but it kind of unifies it. So y- we're trying to kind of reconcile, yeah, um, those kind of ways of documenti- documentation. So with standard photography, it's more like a frame. Yeah. So as opposed to a frame, it's somehow immersing the the users or the viewers mm-hmm. to a larger environment where things are not necessarily like hidden. Um, So it's just to reconcile the landscape itself in relation to how it's documented in part.
1: So how did you then do that with regards? Because it looks like it's a 360 degree image. So when you look at the image and people will be able to see that they would go 360 degrees in some very bleak landscapes, Mm. um, almost like virtual reality that you positioned internally, but you didn't actually do it as a complete 360. I mean, you did it as 360, but you did it differently to what we expected.
0: Yeah. Um because in our in our practice largely we op- we're interested in open source processes and yeah. obviously the that large part of uh the operation is more with new technologies that are quite expensive they're not really accessible um and what we tend to do of course within our work is to make the work and make workshops where so we can introduce like uh different users and um audiences generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the open source technology also it 's because it's most of these processes are quite open uh, but they somehow need a lot of research to kind of test things out uh, so it was one of those um, uh, processes that were quite convenient uh, with the project that we were looking at because yes it's we couldn 't negatively access high end cameras that cost you know quite a lot of money mm. um, but in in a way it's it 's also Did you like use shows. Cell phones? No, it's no. it's a 360 camera but it's a standard one. Yeah. Um so So it's
1: shot 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 yeah, shot. Yeah, so it's shot different all the shots way around to 360
0: degrees. Yes, yeah, so it's a different shots, uh different scenes maybe I can explain it like that. Yeah. And we kind of um so them together. Yes, like kind of stitch them together in a way mm. that it seems more um consistent like mm. it's, you know, there's like a nice interesting flow as opposed to a series of cuts, you know.
1: What do you want people to get from the pre-empt group and from the work that you're putting up there? Because, I mean, I will go and I'll get a very specific vibe, as I've <laughs> said. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone else will go and get something else. There will be someone who is maybe not interested in art at all but might find it intriguing for the landscape itself. What would you like them to get out of these images?
0: Mm. Uh, I think generally, like with different audiences, in mainly within more gallery settings and uh, museum settings, mm. the the artwork is seemingly seen as something that's hang on the wall. And for us, it's not quite interesting. Uh, We're interested to kind of make users perform certain actions in the Mm. work to have a sense of dialogue. So most of our work are quite participatory uh, in a way that, uh, yes, for example, we've used like a sensor as a way to I mean, it's like uh, as the person kind of stands in front of the work and use their hands and gestures to kind of move around. Uh, they how somehow like immersed in the environment itself, as opposed mm-hmm. to like s- somehow disconnected. Uh, so the the work doesn't necessarily end with just it being shown in the space. You just mm. have to participate in in its making.
1: So when I think of these images and I look at these images, um, one of the things I think about is the fact that. There, there might be a soundscape. We talk about a landscape, but there could also be a soundscape. And I understand that you do, in fact, have a soundscape which will be created for the artworks. Tell us about that, Mbali.
2: So what we've decided to do with the buffer zones, we've decided to break it apart. So one component is to focus mostly on the sonic and allowing mm. the viewer to interact with the sonic by itself. Yeah. and I don't want to give away too much but we do an interesting thing with the placement of the sonic within the Mapubungwe exhibitions that are running and within the collection that Mapubungwe has as ways of also dismantling the archive and inter- interrogating the, the archive and looking at how do we use technology in a way that does not necessarily invade what's been happening, but mm-hmm. creep in to start these conversations.
1: Maybe change the conversation as well. Definitely. Yeah. So you've got someone who's working with you on the soundscape. We've got her on the line, Analisa Sturman. Um, yes. Uh, Analisa. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So, Annalisa, you are in fact, uh, the, you're going to be working on... Um, the the project and creating a soundscape for for the project. So tell us <clears throat> how you do that.
3: So I um, let me say that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interpreting the pictures and also just adding with the journey of the buffer zone. So I do uh, opera, which I call co opera because I'll be also I do like vocal uh, cluster dance. i yeah. and I'm using OAD. Yes. Board, which is like a total t- instrument, yeah. Zulu, yes. Yeah. So this is just like trans poetry to just open the space, bringing blessings and also just like telling, um, uh, giving us voices that are voiceless and bringing them in a the space where um, we bring indigenous, um, indigenousness and reminding of what our future generation possesses from our ancestral past that um, knowledge that gain from um, our, uh, the elders. So that is just me. I'm
1: just that spiritual person with a voice. You talk about the elders <laughs> and uh, playing the Uhadi. I mean, of course, there's the mm. great Madusini who mm. um, brought uh, our attention back originally mm-hmm. to the Uhadi. Mm. Tell our, our listeners a little bit about the sound of the instrument and, and also the kind of music that you would play hmm So u it's like a string,
3: of course. It's a string that has a, a little calabash that you put on, on, on your chest. And you'll be using, like, a stick to hit it and putting it up and down, you know, to, to create that sound. With that on its own, it's just like a, a way with Tosa. So with Tosa and know you use chants. Mm. So chants are like um, meditation of some sort. It's either you use an lullaby or it's an awakening of, of spiritual awakening or it's like um, a celebration. Maybe we're telling a story and we bring an O-A-D and O-A-D is just like that music that accompanies what the story or the journey of the story is. So with me, it's just like um, praising um, Mapungwe, praising what Upumulani and Bali have brought in with their excellence into the space, praising them and their ancestors and bringing people together and just blessing the space as an
1: opening. So. Uh, have you seen the images already and, and what's your take on them before you even create the music? So um,
3: I'll be in Pretoria uh, very soon, which is going to be on the 5th of this month. So I'll see them, i get to see them when I get to the space and I'll yeah. get the feeling of the space. So and to see uh, what inspires me to move around and what I could create
1: when I, I see the images. So I'll be seeing them soon, two days before the opening. It sounds absolutely brilliant, and we thought just uh, to give our listeners a sense of what that sound could be. That uh, Analisa Sturman, or Analyzer as she's also known, will give uh-huh. will give you a, a couple of seconds of her sound. S A F M.
4: La kakaka, puapua, kwa, 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 kwa. Dance nina. Dance nina. Dance nina. Inina, inina. Dance nina. Dance nina. Dance nina. Inina, inina. Ilande loayintala. Ubu nyama se yembe suzokala. Tapu kwa I'm tired of flies, curses of lies Girls bearing their fathers, kissing their brothers. Saying, don't tell you, Faisa, Tayega, Tabalega. Dance in me now. Dance in me now. Dance The solution to rectify the silly situation. I'm losing my patience. I'd rather hang than fight this difficult battle.
1: Jeez, where are we going? Denzanina. that's uh, Analyzer. and she's going to be working with Mbali, Lamini and Pumulani Untuli as uh, the, an exhibition taking place at the Javid Art Centre next weekend at the preempt by the pre... They are the preempt group, and it's a serious collection of works. It's called Buffer Zones, and it will shape and shift the way you think about landscape, for sure, but uh, listening to that, also the way you think about sound. As well, So I want to say thanks so much uh, for uh, Annalisa making the time to come on. I said we were going to start at the end and we we're going to shift our way back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to take you back to the beginning of um, your own art practice. You know, I think a lot of people probably listen to some of these conversations and they go, this is, this is just for the art world. It's not just for the art world. It's for anybody who's interested in the world they live in, the heritage they live in, uh, that they have, their humanity, etc., I'd love to know from both of you, Nimbali. I'll start with you because I know that you did work at Artist Proof Studio, but your 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 sense of wanting to get and do and be involved in something creative and artistic, like the work you do. I think
2: I've always wanted to create things. I've always played with paper and used paper to make dolls or make clothes or make little figurines um, that I would play with so I've always been interested in using my hands to make things and draw and this became a way to kind of narrate what mm-hmm. I was experiencing as a child or what I wanted to also experience as a child because yes you get given toys but you also want to create your own toys and you want your toys to be a bit more mobile than they are so That type of interest led me to wanting to do more creative um, studies. Mm. So like you mentioned, I studied for two years at Artist Proof Studio, which was really great. And I got to learn how to do printmaking, where you work with creating an image mostly with your hands Mm. and using a a printing press. So that was a really great experience. But from there, I also wanted more. (laughs) Who (laughs) doesn't? Oh definitely. So then I decided that I I actually from APS decided that I wanted to have a masters in in fine arts. So I went further to study at U J and this is where I met Pumlani and although he was my senior at that time, but I studied and then went further to do my masters at Vids. Yeah. So that's been my journey.
1: Pumlani, you've also done gone far, gone uh, uh, d- different spaces, different places as well. Um, also, a masters, and I'm, I'm wondering, what was it that just grabbed you about doing and getting involved in the visual arts?
0: Yeah, um, I think maybe just to tease a little bit on my early upbringing as an artist. So I, um, I my 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 interest in art came about at Salvation Army. Um yeah. Uh so I was in the church band. I was taught by Prince Limoise. Which Which instru- uh, instrument did you play. I was playing playing a trombone.
1: Oh, we could have had you come in <laughs> and play the trombone. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm
0: I'm a bit rusty now. So it's been like a few years. <laughs> I haven't even touched it. Yeah. Uh I had so much uh, musicology or music kind of based system within yeah. my community. So everybody was just part of the church band. You know, my mother was in the choral group as well with the salvation army and the uh, um, yeah. so it it kind of took me a step further obviously but within the visual arts the skill has has been there like uh technically drawing um. so yeah the, the kind of community of course in like influenced uh my kind of um perspective around like yeah. making and, and make and you know production so obviously then i went to uj and did my undergrad there and then um, worked for a few years and then went to uh switzerland uh I got a scholarship yeah uh, to study uh, fine arts side so I stayed there for two years between How closely
1: do 20s. you align music and art
0: um yeah somehow I think the interest has always always been there um so i don 't think in part or largely there is like a difference in relations to thinking of music, but of course it 's just a different mode of reception in it 's just a different mode yeah other than you know, they, I mean, artists can work kind of similar both music within the music space and within the visual arts. And I think maybe just to allude to that specifically, like film, yeah. as working with film-based media has been one of those things that these forms of reconciliation of modes of production can kind of intertwine.
1: Which is kind of interesting because it does talk to the multidisciplinary pr- uh, uh, approach by um, the group that you guys are part of, the preempt group. So... At the beginning of the show, we were talking about how um, we were talking specifically about STEM subjects, about how young people who are working and learning with STEM are often need a first generation graduate in their family in their home for it to, to work and uh, for order for it to kind of move forward. I'm wondering from you. First generation graduates, um, do you, was is that necessary if you um, are studying the arts or working in the steam world? Are you are you the first generation graduates? Are there people behind you who have uh, been uh, through that process themselves? How did that impact the work you did? How did it impact uh, what your parents felt? I mean, you talk Pumulani about your your mother singing in the Salvation Army, so already she was participating and saying, "You go ahead, my son. I'm sure." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, certainly. I think it's it's quite important. Uh, yes, I am a first generation, um, uh, you know, uh, as well in my family uh, with a postgraduate degree. But of course, um, that has not necessarily been within my family itself, but my community. Mm. Uh, there is other people that I had already aspired to in, and within uh, predominantly the church itself, like yeah. you know, different professionals, social workers. And, you know, so also I, I think in, s- in a sense being exposed to that kind of environment, like somehow. Has shaped me um, to kind of take a step further and be more responsible to how I uh, wanted to perceive life and get out of it in in a sense.
1: We do have to go to a break, but when we come back from the break, I'm going to put that uh, in your court in Bali. (laughs) Okay.
0: At SAFM Radio and at Mesh Constant on SAFM.
1: And of course, KG is on a 10 and always a great playlist to take you through Sunday. So if you're going for a Seven Colours Sunday and maybe you're going to be braying, then now is the time to be listening to her because it's the perfect soundtrack to that kind of Sunday for sure. So we're talking about uh, the arts. We're talking to Mbali Dlamini, Pumulani and Tuli. They are two artists who are part of a project that uh, we are going to be looking at at the Javit uh, Art Center next week. And they're part of something called the Preempt Group. The whole exhibition is um, also looking at strange spaces, strange places as well, and how we look at landscape. It's an, an, an extraordinary uh, space and idea. But we went further back in time, and then we had a good look at what does it mean to get into the arts, uh, earlier on in the show we were talking about uh, the first generation graduates in your family and what does that mean, how does, it, how does it impact the work that you do, the person you want to become, the job you want to do, the work you want to do and to be an artist is more than just job or work I sometimes think. Bali, what, what was it that, um, that drove you and then if we go to that idea of first generation graduate, you finished your masters at Wits, talk to us about that. For me,
2: being interested in pursuing a career in academia was mostly about the research that I wanted to do and how I wanted to place it within Mm. the academic landscape. Because of course, I could have um, continued doing the work that I'm doing with visual arts, but I also wanted to bring in these conversations into academia Mm. and write about the people that I feel are not written about enough especially from a South African context and especially from black writers. Mm. So that was what pushed me to actually do my master's. It was more for the exercise of bringing these contexts into libraries, into academia.
1: How far is academia from on-the-ground practice? This is just a conversation we've been having throughout the show. And if we even look at your exhibition, it's on a university site. So the Javert Art Centre is part of the mm-hmm. University of Pretoria. Then, how? I mean, it's it's a thin line. Eh? You can mm. it can be a thin line, but it can also be a massive wedge, as Definitely. well. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you on the thin line or are you on the massive wedge?
2: I, I mean, because I have a masters and I'm interested in mm. doing academic work and doing artistic research, so both the practices come from artistic research and preempt works a lot with artistic research we are also trying to carve space within academia and institutions to say that artistic research should also be viable mm. in in South Africa right now they don't give a phd for artistic research it's only in the states no. and some really? universities that are awarding it so you still have to do the traditional which is write a research paper so we are also using this space as a platform to actually interrogate that and position ourselves within it
1: ah i didn't even know that you see you learn something new every single day critical um what about you pumilani do you think you're on the the thick edge of the wedge or on the thin line
0: i mean it's just also in between uh, spheres, because I think it's more uh, interesting to kind of broaden up the scope of one's work as opposed to limiting it, uh, li- limiting it. Um, as Mbali was saying, we regarding artistic research as a study, obviously, I mean, in part it has been done, but not necessarily like granting PhD level, yeah, um, doctorate. So the it that, of course, it is a position somehow to like uh, that figure needs to change. That needs to change, but obviously, yeah, it needs like you know pioneers, there is like a uh, few artists that, for example, like I from the top of my head, Josh Maharaj, yeah. who's a photographer, he's based in, uh, he's at UCT. Yeah. He also did his artistic research PhD. So of course the space is quite limited and we have to really, um, somehow motivate, you know? Yeah. So yeah, beyond the motivation, it, it somehow needs to be there. But of course there is the, the pioneers that has to start first and kind of, you know... So we need to shout out t- to Prof Tawane Kuku.
1: So then, what happens if I'm the guy or girl and I, I've just... Maybe I got to my Maybe I didn't even get to my And how am I going to get to see that exhibition? I mean, I know, literally, physically, all I have to do is walk in. But that's not so easy. Walk in is one thing, but access and agency is another thing. How do you see that changing for the work that you're doing because that's critical.
0: Mm. Yeah one of the most uh, important things in our practice of course as I mentioned previously is the idea of a workshop Uh, we see workshops as spaces to kind of inculcate uh, knowledge and transfer not necessarily like as a deposit of course but to also um, plot that space so that we can also like uh, exchange with our participants and within the context of the exhibition as well we have a public program that's going to take uh, different iterations within uh, non-profit organizations that we're collaborating with. Uh, safe study program. They're based in Magwening. And
1: mm.
0: um, there's also kids that are, connect, uh, are coming uh, for uh, during the pro- during the period of the exhibition for like tours. So they're kind of taking through um, each specific exhibition. So because you'll be doing walkabouts with them yes, as well with the kids certainly. Yeah, so largely, uh, uh, this is quite, of course, an important factor within uh, the sphere of education. Like yeah. trans, um, transferring uh, the exact... And transforming ex- it. Ex- transforming and yes, yeah. and transferring um, the skills or knowledge that you have gathered as well with the larger public.
1: Did you ever go to art, um, go on art walkabouts or art um, trips as a kid in Bali? Did you ever go into museums? No, I only started doing art trips
2: or walkabouts or seeing exhibitions when I started studying at um,
1: Artist Proof Studio. Yeah. You see, it does feel to me that that's actually the space that we need to be pushing and pulling. Because, I mean, if you've got young people or older people, I mean, it doesn't really matter, who have the opportunity to go and see your works, it Mm -hmm. might just shift and change. Certainly shift and change is my world. I'm sure it will shift and change other people's worlds as well. Definitely. Are you going to push for that with uh, this particular exhibition?
0: Yes, we certainly, um, yeah, it is a larger part of the public program that's already ascribed to the exhibition itself. Okay. Um,
1: Yeah. You've got kind of like a minute each, and I'm going to put it to you. Why should people come to this exhibition?
0: Um, I think, yeah, because we are somehow positioning the question of national heritage, since it's the Heritage Month at this point. So these conversations shouldn't happen in a month, like they are consistent conversations. Mm. They are not month specific. So we need to kind of constantly be in dialogue to kind of understand the archive itself, to understand what national heritage means to everybody within the context of South Africa, how they can insert or influence uh, the the existing uh, knowledge and to find new information that's already missing or if there's gaps.
1: I love that. Mbali, what would you say? I think Pomlani
2: has (laughs) stolen most of my words, but I would say come because one, Javid has the gold. (laughs) Don't come in a mask, though. (laughs) No, it's too tiny. Uh, But also there's the Ashanti gold, which is amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing exhibition. I think you must come because the way we've positioned buffer zone within the space is very interesting.
1: So, I mean, I do think that like when we look at the, the gold that is on the exhibition, it is it is a diverse because, as you said, it's the Ashanti Gold Exhibition, but it does talk to heritage in so many different ways. I mean, we look at gold and, of course, gold has like huge stories around miners and it yeah. has huge stories. I mean, it takes me back to that beautiful Gerard Sekoto picture of the minor mm. and the candle with the the book and I can't remember what the book is on the table but but it's it it's an important book in our heritage as well so let's give you all those details of the event one more time it's um going to be an extraordinary extraordinary interview i mean exhibition i mean really Uh, go and check it out. It's called Buffer Zone. It's by two great artists doing fascinating works with photography, but also 360 and how we look at uh, the space that we enter into when it is an artwork. It is at the Javid Art Centre in uh, Pretoria. You should definitely get to see it launching next Saturday. And I want to say Pumlani Ntuli and Mbali Tlamini. What a great conversation. As someone said, Absolutely fascinating conversation. So I appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very, much. you very much. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for the news. It's no longer good morning, it's now goodbye.